to the Bloomberg thing coming up a little bit. If you haven't heard about what Michael Bloomberg, well, it's his time in the barrel. I don't know if you know how this whole thing works. When you get to be a certain level in the polls, all of a sudden the media and the other candidates turn their attention toward you. Right. You can skate along for a long time running for office, and then there's a critical mass reached where all of a sudden the media cares, and they look into some of your claims. Or, uh, you know, somebody goes back and looks at some YouTube videos and that sort of thing and say, hey, what about the time you said? Well, that's where Mike Bloomberg is, the former mayor of New York. And he said some things about farming that are getting a lot of attention today. He's going to be on the debate stage tomorrow night as he has qualified for that debate. And I don't know, he might be taking it from all sides Uh if you want to beat up on a tiny little old Jewish guy. Well, of course, Bernie's an old Jewish guy. You put me in an impossible position here. Make it sound like I'm, you know, an elder abuser, an anti-Semite, and, you know, half a dozen other things. It's a no-win situation. Connor Friedersdorf has written a very good Say piece what in The Atlantic, um, and it's about it's a study name. done at the University of North Carolina. They surveyed undergrads to get a sense of the campus climate. Rather than focus on individual controversies, they sought to understand day-to-day undergraduate experiences. And the results of the survey of more than a 1,000 responses um, illuminate what's happening at what they describe as a highly selective public institution in a swing state where more than 20,000 undergraduates are enrolled. I will tell you this, um, the uh, campus uh, atmosphere in North Carolina is going to be significantly more conservative than it is in some other places. Although certainly your big schools there in the research triangle are, are plenty liberal because they're just lousy with academics, as colleges tend to be. But <clears throat> I would suggest to you that if this school is anything, it would be more welcoming of conservative notions. You know, if I'm going to put a, a title to this, it's that, and, and listen, there are sins of uh, modern American conservatism flaws and, and, and things that are happening that are dumb or indefensible or. Or whatever. Um, But I will tell you this. American progressivism is the opposite of what it preaches. Being inclusive. Progressivism is the least inclusive uh, philosophy around these days. Except in very, very narrow ways. For which you all congratulate yourselves like crazy. But in terms of uh, devil's advocate ideas or disagreement or even respectful um, I, I have this question about your point of view. Y'all are savage. So the liberal Atlantic is reporting on this. They mentioned that students report they worry less about censure from faculty than from their peers. But uh, they mention also, and there's a lot of bias in this because the Atlantic is so liberal, and I'll point it out to you in a moment. But while majorities favor more viewpoint diversity and free speech norms, an intolerant fraction of roughly a quarter of students believe it is okay to silence or suppress some widely held views that they deem wrong. About 25% of college students think it's okay to silence or suppress certain points of view. And these are not like weird, wackadoo, uh, uh, niche points of view. These are widely held ones. So to measure student tolerance for views, which with they they disagree, researchers chose a bunch of different issues. Fate of a Confederate statue, 
affirmative action and admissions, immigration policy, health care, climate change, whether Christian bakers should be compelled to make cakes for gay weddings against their, their will, all sorts of different issues of that sort. The gakes. And then they presented students with mainstream positions that a liberal or conservative class might might hold, and then they asked the kids, uh, which among these positions you find the most objectionable? Okay, so I don't particularly like that. I think that's way over the top, blah, blah, blah. Then they were asked, if confronted with that view that they identified as most objectionable, how appropriate would it be to take a series of actions, such as asking a tough question? I mean, obviously, that's that's fine. Yeah, I'd probably just ignore it. But that's just well, 100% if you got into a discussion. Um, publishing a dissent or more extreme measures. An alarming 25, almost 26% of survey respondents said it would be appropriate to create an obstruction such that a campus speaker endorsing this idea could not address an audience. 25% who are fine with doing that. Now, I want to get back to one sentence. Students across political perspectives engage in classroom self-censorship. That's true. That is absolutely true. But let's take a look at the numbers. 25% said, I'm for silencing people I disagree with. That authoritarian view was held by about 19% of self-identifying liberals. One out of five was fine with that. That's six times as many moderates or conservatives who said that would be acceptable. 3% moderates, 3% conservatives. So liberal, which is supposed to mean you're more likely to want to have different points of view. Well, it used to, yeah. I would use the term progressive now, because it's not liberalism anymore. But so six times as many lefty students said, yes, I'll shout someone down and silence them. Also troubling were the undergraduates who reported having kept an opinion to themselves in the classroom, even though the opinion was related to the class, because they were worried about the potential consequences of expressing it. Only, I'm sorry, almost 68% of conservatives censored themselves in this way, which is three times as many as the liberals, and about half of the moderates said, no, it'd be too dangerous to speak up. Here's a question for you. Do you think that half of moderates was fearing the conservative students? Probably not. Probably not. The authors of the report note something that used to be so obvious it frightens me that we need to make the point, but expressing unpopular views can reveal critical blind spots in prevailing thought patterns. And even when a view is wrong, its refutation allows both parties to better apprehend why the correct view must be true. It's a fancy way of saying if you talk about a bad idea, often it's more clear why good ideas are good, and you understand why bad ideas are bad, as opposed to shouting people down and silencing them because you're so rigid and emotional that you can't even stand to hear a contrary point of view. But a substantial portion of respondents fear social sanction or even outright grading penalties for sharing their views. Listen to this. How about among their peers, social isolation? Roughly 92% of the conservatives said they would be friends with a liberal. This is back to our, are you inclusive? Are you welcoming? Are you open-minded? Because you claim to be. 92% of the conservative students said, heck yeah, I'd be friends with a liberal. Only 3% said they would not have a liberal friend. 92 to 3. Among liberals, however, 25% said they would, have, they would not have a conservative friend. 
That is eight times as many as the conservatives who said that. Would UNC be a better place without conservatives? Meaning, you would never even hear in a a poisoning point of view. 22% of the liberal students said yes. Well, that's interesting that you grew up uh, somehow ending up with that. I mean, did you start in, did you show up to college with that point of view? Or did you learn that at college? I don't know. I don't know. That's wild. Yeah. It is a closed-minded, brutal, unfriendly, nasty, judgmental philosophy. And that was in the Atlantic, did you say? Yeah, the Atlantic of all places. Which, by the way... That's not the National Review. No. No, it's not on Breitbart. A lot of those things I just said are what progressives accuse conservatives of, sometimes quite accurately. You're right. To the extent that a conservative won't even listen to another point of view, it's weak. It's weak. Don't be that. But you've got enormous numbers of people who are brutal in that way. I mean, they are ideological fundamentalists. With uh, like a you know, and it reminds me of Maoists and you know a hundred other political movements and various uh, fundamentalist religious movements. Y'all are scary, and you really ought to take a look at yourselves. That is amazing. Um, the hottest politician in America right now, it would seem, is Michael Bloomberg with the latest poll out in which he is in second place nationally at nineteen percent. He was at four a month and a half ago. It's funny what four hundred million dollars can get you. Um, on the t- topic of liberal or conservative. How would you describe his politics? He's all over the place with a whole bunch of different things. He's kind of trying to be that way so he can appeal to everyone. Yeah. But he said something a couple of years ago that could make it difficult for him about farming. If you haven't heard this, this is the uh, Michael Bloomberg's time in a barrel moment of the day. I think it'll only ruin his candidacy in about 35 to 38 American states. (laughs) If you haven't heard it, it's next. Armstrong and Getty. It's just funny how smart Michael Bloomberg thinks he is. He strikes me as kind of a clever little moron, but is Michael Bloomberg regarded among smart people as one of them? Like a genius of some kind? I don't think so. I, I, what was his candidacy supposed to do? It was supposed to appeal to moderates? He's offended professional women. He's offended minority youth. He's offended people who work with their hands. He's offended farming. And you get it, you're, you're starting to see that the wit and wisdom of Michael Bloomberg is really a... A, a synopsis of a very isolated, insulated, egomaniac narcissist. And I don't understand this Democratic primary. They lectured us about white billionaires and white privilege, and now they're almost offshoring or outsourcing their primaries to the epitome of everything they said they hated. It's a cruel joke, Tucker. <laughs> That's Victor Davis Hansen talking to Tucker Carlson. Can you play the first part of that again? Tucker's description was pretty good there. It's just funny how... Smart Michael Bloomberg thinks he is. He strikes me as kind of a clever little moron, but there he's my clever little moron. I, was, I don't think I don't he's that means a moron. I think he might be badly lacking in insight, I'm which sh- is a different sort of intelligence. I'd be pretty certain he's not a moron. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, as he has made, he's a self-made billionaire. Many billions, not just a, a billion, $60 billion he's oh, got. Oh, yeah. Uh, which ain't easy to do in the world of finance and everything like that. But he has uh, risen in the polls quickly, having spent more money than anybody's ever even contemplated in such a short period of time on their own candidacy, almost $400 million. And he's gone from low single digits to second place nationally. And definitely in the mix, and we'll see how things turn out uh, going forward. But this team came out. When did he say this? Do we know the year on this? Doesn't matter. It's several years ago. Couple, two, three, something like that. He's it was given, in the 2010s. He's giving a speech about something, and he says this. If you think about it, the, ag- the agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300. You could learn that. So that's being seen as relatively dismissive of the uh, way of life or culture anyway. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank Hello? in the direction of the arrow. Oh, oh sorry. Um, uh, that's being seen as somewhat dismissive of the culture of a great swath of this nation. Mm-hmm. As Joe said, that might turn off, I don't know, somewhere around 38 states. Well, and then the inadvertently played uh, clip there, he was insulting anybody who does manufacturing work. And essentially saying, now in the information economy, you've got to have a brain. So the stupid, stupid farmers and stupid, stupid assembly line workers, they're, they're out of luck. I could teach anybody to be a farmer. Wow. Wow. If, you're, if the one thing you had to be aware of going in was smug, rich Manhattanite, that's not a good thing to have hanging out there. Right. That was your biggest uh, vulnerability, your Achilles heel. Yeah. And you know what we haven't even gotten to? Well, you and I have. (laughs) Out of touch, New York billionaire. Yeah, Yeah. with his loafers and his whatever. Uh, He's so soft on China. He's been in bed with China. He's deliberately pulled punches against China to get his business more successful in there. Now, he's certainly not the only one who's done that. we got hundreds of American companies that have done that. But to have a guy running for president, particularly given the current set of issues with China, Trump would beat the hell out of him. Back to the Beat the pangolin out of him, which they think is the weird, scaly beast that the coronavirus came from. Not the wet bat. No. You know what? So some people eat the pangolin for some reason, but you know the main reason? It's the most imported uh, mammal in China? I'll let you guess. Freaking boner pills and fake medicines that they get from grinding up its claws and its whatever else. You worried about, come on, China! You worried about the environment and a lot of various beasts? Rich Asian dudes who can't get an erection. Or what you need to uh, get to somehow. Talk to them. Tigers, rhinos, elephants, pangolins, whatever. We got this thing now called Viagra. Works great. Oh, yeah. Don't need to kill a single rhino. Uh, Back to Bloomberg's farm quotation. Stiff as the Great Wall. You don't need to kill a pangolin. That would have been tough in in any year that I've been paying attention to presidential elections. But during this time when particularly it's all about that weird beast that is the Obama-Trump voter, the people that voted for Obama then voted for Trump, right? kind of working class, rust belt, agricultural, that whole world, they hate that sort of thing. 
you absolutely lost all of them. They don't enjoy that kind of talk at all. I guarantee you. It's pretty widely uh, believed that you must win back those voters to the Democratic side to win. And and Bloomberg, to, you know, uh, to whatever extent people hear that crap, are going to be completely alienated from him. Well, I don't know how many people heard it today, but if he goes much further, Trump is going to spend his gazillions of dollars that he's raising on ads that make sure you do hear that clip. Mm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right. So we mentioned earlier he spent more, well over a hundred times as much as uh, Amy Klobuchar. Which is just something, and she's been in it for months and months and months and months. And a credit to her, a credit to her that she's done as well as yeah. she had with no money, but just yeah. a message. Breaking news: Wine prices are expected to fall to the lowest levels in five years, according to a new report. Time to st- stock up, honey. Because of what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, lower demand, probably. Uh, I know the the kids, the kids these days, they're drinking less uh, hard liquor and beer, and and wine even. It's the first drop in wine consumption in many many busy years. Busy vaping. Yes, no. Uh, they're drinking the hard seltzers and hard coffees and 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 alcoholic kombuchas and lemonades and whatever else. They just alcoholic kombuchas. Yeah, I know. What the hell is that? I know. It. I'd rather chew on a pangolin. What is hope. that word? <laughs> What's a kombucha? It's uh, some sort of tea garbage. You're you're the hipster, some Sean. Sort of What's tea kombucha? Garbage? What is that, Sean? It's brewed something or other. Kombucha. It's like a fermented. Uh, it's a fermented thing. Uh, probiotics. It's it's supposed to be good for your gut biome. Yeah. Yeah, my gut biome. Why don't you keep your hands off of my gut? You have noticed? I've noticed we do a lot more. Ah, yeah. in response to stories. Yeah, like I don't care. <laughs> We can learn from the past, and um, I'm not in a position today to sit here and say I wish I would have done this or done that. I'm not here to make excuses or um, point the finger at anybody. I think we we win we win as a team, we lose as a team. That's hilarious. So that's Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros, who. I got so into that team the last couple of years, and he's one of the guys that just, oh, man, man the, the, the ability of this guy in the most pressure situations to come oh, through. I mean, which one of the amazing. all-time greats. Turns out they were cheating like crazy. And uh, and him saying, you know, all you can do is learn from the past. Learn from the past? <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's, that's hilarious. Listen, that's they, hilarious. they got to have somebody write out something for them to read. Just give them all scraps of paper. We were looking for an edge. We went too far. We got busted. I feel kind of bad about it. Then that's it. What, what, what else? Yeah, is, something well, we learn from the past, and uh, we're here as a team. Or we win the, and lose or, as a team. What, 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 why are you expending air? Or the freaking owners saying, look, now let's not blame the players. The players had nothing to do with this. <laughs> we're blaming management, and they've been retrained. The players came up with the idea, and they participated in it. Look, we been, don't know if it affected the game. We had a good team. Well, if you didn't know if it affected the game, why'd you do it, you cheated, cheating cheater? Yeah, you're right. The only thing you can say that gives you any possible honorability at this point, is that a word going forward, yeah. is, uh, is to say something like, 
it's it's really tough to win a World Series, and we want to win, and everybody wants to win, and, and we just got caught up in the enthusiasm. And looking back on it, I wish we hadn't done it. It's terrible. It's cheating. I don't want kids to cheat. Kids, don't cheat. Yeah. We just got caught up in the in the competitiveness of it, and I'm embarrassed that I did it. Something like that, but we'll, we'll learn from the past. <laughs> what? How about this? How about this? You get a really big bonus for winning the World Series, and we didn't think we'd get caught. <laughs> Come on! Say that because we all know it's true. Oh, we win and lose as a team. We're learning from the past. Oh, shut up. A lot of us are practically household names now, and nobody would ever heard of us before, and that's kind of been cool for me, you see. So little Altuve, he hit one of the most famous home runs in baseball history, and that's not because it was against the Yankees. Walk-off home run sends you to the World Series. Right. Turns out he might have been wearing a buzzer under his jersey. <laughs> that let him know what pitch was coming. Yeah, and I was listening to, uh, who's the Republican pitcher that everybody hates now? Oh, Kurt Schilling? Yeah, Kurt Schilling. I think that was him. The, one of the, your, your, your old-time Hall of Famers. Uh, I heard him interviewed last night. He Whitey said, Ford. If you, if you can let a batter know when my fastball is coming, I have no chance against them. Wow. Just they that's everything they need to know. Yeah. If they can just eliminate when the fastball's coming, then they've got everything they need. Right. To just light me up. And that's yep. what they were doing. Yep. So um but so their excuses keep changing. So this little guy Altuve hits a, a game winning home run. He's coming around third base and starts yelling to his teammates, Don't tear off my jersey. Well, that's Maybe. a weird thing to yell. Listen, I've let myself go a little bit, too. He's got a bit of a pot belly, love handles. Maybe he doesn't want the fans to see him shirtless. That's a weird thing. So, He's middle-aged. He's, what, 28? <laughs> so the first excuse was his wife didn't want him to take off his jersey because it's embarrassing. A previous celebration when he got his shirt taken off, and I, I guess there, she didn't like, appreciate all the attention from, from other women or There's, something like uh, that. Th- that was, accompanied by, a tre- that was co- accompanied by a tremendous number of shirtless Instagram photos that, that he and his wife had put out of him over the years. Oh, boy. Um, and then the excuse was from one of the other players, he got a tattoo that wasn't finished, and it looked really terrible. All right. And the s- unfinished tattoo story. <laughs> And because he had this really bad-looking, not-finished-yet tattoo, he really didn't want people to take his jersey off. Yeah. You know, when you have, when you start coming, we've all known liars, when they start coming up with completely different stories. Right. Just all Depending of a sudden. Depending on the audience. Yeah, exactly. So, apparently, yesterday, he released a photo of his tattoo. I don't know if that was supposed to settle things, but... Nah, right. It's a little hard to believe. But the belief is he was wearing a buzzer under his jersey, mm. and that's what was going on. So, not only did they cheat with the, the, the thing they were doing in 2017, they were cheating last year when they yeah. went to the World Series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, here's one, what's, one, what one sports reporter thinks. They're still investigating the Red Sox. They're still looking at other teams. We don't know if that deals with sign stealing, but there are other investigations going on that could, some people think, relate to this. If that's the case, they have an even bigger problem on their hands because the idea that this could go beyond the Astros has got to be a terrifying thought for baseball. So it could be a league-wide problem, which to me would be good news for the Astros because then they can say, similar to uh, what we found out about bicycling, Everybody cheats. It's just how good you are at cheating. It's Mm -hmm. just part of the sport. How good are your chemists? Yeah. Your doctors? And, uh, you know, the Astros haven't said that yet of their many floating excuses, but maybe the whole league's got all kinds of sign-stealing, cheating things going on. 
Yeah. They just were better at it, just like Lance Armstrong was better at it. Yeah. Listen, I don't need to know all the sins of all the ball players. It's a TV show. It's entertainment. Sure. It's it's a pastime. It's fun to watch the ball being thrown and hit and caught and the rest of it. But at the same time, though, I mean, I got really lying, the, treating us like like idiots is is a little hard to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the Giants situation, which I brought up earlier. The more I read about it, the more pissed off I get. As a San Francisco Giants fan, they have disinvited, they've banned Aubrey Hoff, who was one of their great stars in 2010 and 2012. Rally song! That's right. Um, they've banned him from the 10-year, you know, the reunion thing. The board of directors voted unanimously against letting, letting him show up because he's a big Trump guy. And he made some Twitter jokes that they saw as politically incorrect. What were the Twitter jokes? Do we know? Yeah, I've looked at them. They're, they're nothing serious. I mean, they're just dumb. They're, they're so absolutely it, not horrific. So do you think it's mostly because he's a Trump guy? Uh, probably, yeah. Well, he, uh, he actually tweeted, and I retweeted. It's true. Three weeks ago, I had a call with Larry Bear, CEO of the San Francisco Giants. He took me by surprise when he told me I was unanimously voted against attending the 2010 Giants uh, reunion, blah, blah, blah. When I asked why I wasn't invited, he uh, said the board didn't approve of my Twitter post and my political support of Donald Trump. My locker room humor on Twitter is meant to be satirical and sarcastic, and it was that type of humor that loosened up the clubhouse in 2010 for our charge at the World Series title. They loved it then, and it hasn't changed. That's not the issue. It's politics. I find this whole thing very hypocritical coming from a man who's had his share of real controversy for pushing his wife, for which he had to take a break from the Giants and issue a former apology. All I did was tweet to the Giants board members who seem to think every Giants fan is a liberal. They aren't. I've had thousands of diehard Giants fans reach out to me on my social media platforms to support me. Um, And then he says, we live in a country that's under attack. Society is desperately trying to take away our First Amendment, our freedom of speech, and our freedom of political association. And he goes on and talks about how proud he was of what they did and that sort of thing. Boy, that's a first. uh, Think of the sports teams throughout history when you have the reunion of the, the team that won it all, the Super Bowl champion, the... NBA champion, you go years back and the players get together, one of them not getting to come because of what president they like. Because his politics aren't right. Wow, that's Are a new thing. Are you kidding me, San Francisco that's Giants? That's a new era. Are you kidding? Wow, you have you have leveled the cattle prod at me and, 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 and made me want to head in the other direction. Wow, that's just unbelievable. I don't know if I can root for him. That's bull bleep, Somebody, as I uh, d- 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 tweeted. Somebody texted, I nominate Cheaty McCheatface for the new Astros mascots. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the whole thing, because I, uh, I agree with the whole idea. It's just a TV show. I don't really care. I'm not a sanctity yeah. of the game purity thing. But at no. some point, if it's all phony, like if I'd have known that they had that going on, I wouldn't have been staying up late every night watching all those games. And rooting like crazy for them? And, and if somebody told you, now keep in mind, uh, Jose Altuve knows the fastball is coming here. He's wearing a buzzer on his shirt that allows him to know what pitch is coming. No, right. I wouldn't have watched it all. The so, other team has got to guess like baseball's been for 120 years. It was one of my favorite couple of weeks of being a baseball fan watching those games. It was freaking unbelievable. Yeah. The comebacks that they mounted. Well, it's because they were cheating. Cheating cheaters. <laughs> And, and so if ever, you know, if that's going on, it kind of takes the fun out of it. So and then, know. you know, in, in 10 years, if Jose Altuve becomes a Republican, they won't invite him anyway. So there you go. That's Major League Baseball. Way to handle the 21st century, you numbskulls. <laughs> Way to handle the 21st century. <laughs> now, that's a blast. Well, they just, <laughs> the, the, people are so clueless about PR. 
You know, if I was going to get a side hustle going, and I, I probably should, but I'm a man who craves leisure, I uh, I would get a, a PR consulting firm going. No, 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 don't do that. Don't, no, no! I would spend a lot of my day saying that. Don't say that. Listen, let me, oh, God, let me write you a statement, okay? Here's, would you like to know the uh, statement I wrote for the Giants? It's mm. part of the tweet. Jack, you've been too busy to look at our Twitter feed, but I was fired up. Wow. Hey, hey, San Francisco Giants, this is bull bleep. You're sending a message to many thousands of us you should not be sending. How about you say, we welcome diversity, including of thought, period. We're a baseball team. 100% reasonable. Come on. Yeah, there's no arguing with that. How hard is that? We're a baseball team. We got guys who believe all sorts of stuff. So, you know, let's just talk about baseball. Thanks. Signed us. Let's remember 2010, gang. Woo! We're in the Bay Area. A lot of liberal people there. A lot of gay people there. We better disinvite Aubrey Huff or else they'll hate us. Unbelievable. How are the Cubs looking this year? I'm out! I'm out! <laughs> so we're on in Houston, correct, Hanson? We're on a radio Absolutely station. Absolutely and proud to be. Are you yeah. kidding? My sister in law Thank you for Houston. listening. Houston's great. We love Texas. Uh, there's a new robot sex brothel set to open in Houston. We can talk mm. about that. And it doesn't seem very Houston. <laughs> These stories are not related, obviously, at all. What parents consider a win when it comes to raising children? You can check off some of these to see if you've gotten a win or a loss in some of these categories. Oh, boy. Among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. notes before I get into the other stuff I mentioned. Robot sex brothels in Houston and whether or not you're a good parent. Um, remember John Bolton? Well, he raised his mustachioed head yesterday. Oh, good. And um, continues to be mostly interested in making money. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton spoke at Duke University but played hard to get in questions about his role in Trump's Ukraine impeachment scandal. Remember, this was the whole are there enough votes to subpoena him? And I was uh, railing against, if he's got something devastating that could remove a president from office, how about he tells us instead of putting it in a book to profit from? Well, he was asked, did you think Trump's call to the president of Ukraine was perfect? And Bolton's response was, well, you'll love chapter 14 when the book comes out. Yeah. And Your star witness, Democrats, only gives a crap about making money. Well, and he said, you know, the Ukraine stuff is really just the sprinkles on the uh, cupcake or the, the ice cream sundae or something like that. It's a, it's a tiny part of the book. It's not fundamental to the book at all. Yeah, that's just... It's, well, it's all phony. A lot of it's phony. And I had one more thing. Oh, yeah. Trying to whip you up about stuff that has nothing to do with your life. Also exciting political news. Joe Biden has offered to open for share after she tweeted her support. Give you an idea of the... Age range of pop culture and everything that's going on there. What is Cher, 75? Something like that. But better than ever. Wow. Who was it? Oh, uh, it was Mark from our Monterey station who made the point that why is why is Bernie still cultural, culturally like relevant and hip? Right. Talking about Cardi B and stuff like that. Yeah. But Biden is what he is talking about, Esther Williams and Cher. I said, hey, Esther. Well, uh, I think it's because Bernie's constituency is mostly uh, children. 
college students and young adults who, you know, and this is prejudicial and reflects my opinion, are more easily misled by pie-in-the-sky ideas that sound great but never work in principle. So, yeah, he's he's around young people. Mm. Old Joe, I don't know who old Joe's around, but uh, not not many folks these days and, and fewer every day. Your dog-faced pony boy or whatever That's that is. That's easy for you to say. I don't remember what that was. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. There Says you. you. Controversy surrounds a robot sex brothel set to open Houston. Well, first the Astros cheating scandal, now this. Sorry, Houston. Houston's beautiful, but it is very humid, so... Uh, mm. Robot sex workers don't get sweaty. That's all I'm going to say. The sex robot brothel will be open for business in Houston within the next week. Oh, says, good. Says the business partner for the Canadian sex doll rental company, Kinky S. Doll. <sighs> wow. When are we going to build a wall up north? Sex doll rental. Ew. Oh, boy. It is right. That's uh, that's disgusting. Signed underwear rental. If I were going to go there, and I'm probably, well, not probably not. I'm not. I don't know. You got a three-hour a three layover there at uh, Bush International? I want a brand new one, fresh out of the wrapping. <laughs> oh, boy. You just took the cellophane off this one. Right. <laughs> right. I want to see it delivered from the factory. I want it to be like a bottle of Tylenol, triple sealed for my protection. This comment is not for the kids. But you know how it's kind of grody if you sit down on a toilet seat and it's warm because oh. somebody's been sitting there? Oh, boy. I don't want you to finish that thought. No, exactly. I don't either. I didn't want you to no start more. it. Exactly. It was just unanimous. <laughs> The company already operates a sex robot brothel in Toronto where the dolls rent for $120 per hour. We provide a deep and satisfying experience both in the way we feel and move with our love dolls, says this company. That is just so off-putting. Houston's a fairly religious town, too. Fairly. Um, there's always a wicked section of town, Jack. Well, and there's some people that uh, are anti-prostitution but in favor of this. There's a big difference between human prostitution and all the problems that come with that and artificial prostitution. Well, and that's, that's clearly true. There's not, nobody's being abused. Exploited. Um, diseases, just all kinds of different things. Well, the disease, well, there, listen. Also, this, a, I, I fault you for bringing this up, but there are, these dolls are to some extent modular. Can we just leave it there? You can pop one part in and pop another one out, you know, and okay. switch them out. But uh, to trying to stop it, there are no laws that anyone's aware of that prohibit this, as long as it's done where it's not in public view or anything like that. But you can't, you you can't call it prostitution. How would you make this illegal? Well, mm. it's gross, and and I think it makes you a weirdo. I honestly do. I think you're a weirdo. If you're having sex with a doll, I well, think you, you are a weirdo. You get caught walking out of there, your friends are going to call you a robot blanker for the rest of your days. And rightfully so. Well, because you clearly are. Let's move on. We need transition Sickos. music for this. Yes. Full-on transition music. And I blame it. Highly disappointing. This will erase what we're talking about. It can cleanse our palate. Shaka Rump is what I say. That's way better than that stupid billion downloads song we played the other day. So, these are the top ten things people with children consider a parenting win, according to a survey of 2,000 parents of children ages 2 to 18. I thought I worried about my kids when they were kids. Worry more now. Nobody told me this was going to (laughs) happen. Uh, number 10, successfully distracting your child while passing the toy aisle so they wouldn't beg for a new toy. <laughs> that is a good one. I consider that a victory. 
<laughs> Number nine, successfully bathing your child without any tantrums. This is obviously for younger children. You're not bathing your children at this point. Bath time was, was a gas back in the day. Now, as an infant, it was problematic. But once they got, you know, past really infancy, it was just fun. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good time. Yeah. Oh, man. All oh, the good times. And then when it ends, it's over. And it's just it's like, oh, that's over? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, the bath no, toys... Dad, I'm taking a shower. I remember what? when Henry, who's uh, the youngest of my two, when he said, I don't want bath toys in the bathtub anymore. I thought, oh, it's over now. Yeah. No more bath toys. Forever. Last week, I was squirting you with the fish, and you were squirting me with the alligator, because you prefer the alligator. No, no, no. Dad. Okay, sorry. Oof. Uh, number eight, getting your child to bed without any tantrums. That's the getting the kid to bed. Oh boy, that's a every oh, night. Oh boy. Uh, getting you the, the the famous Samuel L. Jackson reading from that book. <laughs> Go to blank to sleep. Yes. Jeez, and that is so true. Oh. Number seven, getting your child to finish their homework. I am dealing with that on a nightly basis. Stay focused. What Sometimes are we doing here? when you secretly think, why does my kid have so much homework? At their mm. age. But it varies. There are some school districts that have none now, and the parents are saying, what's going on here? There right. are no studies that show it's a good idea. Homework I looked into in general? It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't help. But some people really believe in it, and some people don't. Yeah, I would trust the data, I suppose. I mean, obviously, I you have if you to did, do papers and stuff like that. If you did 40 minutes of good, solid instruction, then 15 minutes of practice... And then, you know, five minutes of, of, of correcting or tutoring a little extra for the kids who struggle, I think that'd probably be pretty effective. Sure. Uh, keeping your child occupied on a long car ride, that's a parenting win. Mm. The, 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 the glowing boxes now have taken care of that. Yeah, no kidding. That's true. Um, uh, I'll skip to number one. Getting your child to eat their vegetables easily. <laughs> 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 I've never succeeded at that. Cover them with, 